They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What's up, SoundCloud.com? What's up, iTunes? It's the one and only, the original. You know what you love it, the Brotherly Love Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, at Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. Johnny Meats, are you alive after that atrocious Eagles performance on Sunday? I would say I'm alive, but I'm pissed off because I just um, – it's just another winnable game that they just threw down the toilet. 27-20 the final. It wasn't nearly that damn close. This game reminded me of, like, some of the frustrating ones from, from years past when the Eagles never had the ball because of Chip Kelly's machine gun offense or – you know, some of those Andy Reid disgusting losses where you just where it was just direct quarter after quarter. But somehow at the end of this game, the Philadelphia Eagles were there, John Mita. And I don't know how or why, but there they were. Just to blow it again and rip any shred of hope out of your chest and stomp on it. So they go to the nation's capital. They've now lost two in a row, the Philadelphia Eagles, and all of a sudden three and zero has become three and two and I'll let you start, my friend. This is going to be more of a venting, rent, uh, ranting podcast from both of us. But uh, take the floor, say what you need to say, tell me how disgusted you are, and what the hell went wrong. You know, where do I begin? It, it was, <laughs> I mean, they got their butts kicked in all phases. Uh, defense, offense, especially the defense. The defense for the second week in a row, they come out so disappointing. There's times where they get, they just can't get off the field on third down. It's mind blowing. The one play that really stuck out to me is when it's like third and nine or third and eight. They kind of force Kirk Cousins out of pocket. Nigel Bradham's got this guy totally lined up and he whiffs on him. And Kirk Cousins scrambles for nine yards like he's Cam Newton or Russell Wilson. And it was just disgusting. And then you have Fletcher Cox making a boneheaded play. He roughs Cousins. That would have been off the field, you know, third down. They would have been forced to kick a field goal. He blasts him after he gets rid of the ball. Another in sports-like conduct. And then they score again. And it's just the one thing that also stuck out on defense is the missed tackles. My God. How many times did Redskin running backs just go through, and the first player that made contact was unable to bring him to the ground. The missed t- Kendricks, hate to say it, it's been an ongoing theme. One of my favorite players, I thought, he just looks like a lost puppy out there. It doesn't look like it's either his confidence or he's not sure of his assignments. He's not picking up. You know, what I propose is, uh, let's also look at the injury. The, the one thing is, the Redskins came into this game only averaging 88 rush yards per game. Somehow they found a link, you know, the weak link in our defense, and they 
they went off for 236 yards? Now, Betty Logan, who's by far the Eagles' number one run stopper, he went out with a groin injury. He only played 17 snaps out of 75 defensive snaps. Carson Wentz doesn't touch the ball. I heard today he was mind-blowing, Joe. He went an hour and 20 minutes without another pass at them. Yeah, and you that's know what? That's Yeah, and like, it, it reminded me, do you remember the, the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl where the Giants, the, the 16-0 and season where Brady was yeah. on the sidelines to start the game. You know, they have the pregame warm-up. They have all that pomp and circumstance, and the Giants had a really long drive. It, Brady wasn't on the field for like 45 minutes after coming out to the field or something crazy like that. And that affects that affects teams and offenses. I mean, it was part of the problem with Chip Kelly when he was running things is that there would be times where the offense would be three and out, three and out, three and out. The defense get a pick six. Guess who goes right back on the field? The defense or the special teams would take one of the house. Guess who goes back on the field? The defense. And, and I, you know, I've complained about this before, kind of tongue-in-cheek because you can't complain about special teams and defense scoring. But sometimes it's nice to get the offense out there just for a few plays to keep your defense off the field and to keep the offense in some form of a rhythm. And between the Wendell Smallwood kickoff return and the Malcolm Jenkins pick six, the Eagles offense didn't touch the ball for 39 snaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was huge. Also, nobody played well in defense. The safeties played very disappointing. But then let's move to the offensive side of the ball. And the crucial news of the week was Lane Johnson. You know, he's serving his 10-game suspension. So how is the rookie, Big V, as I'm just going to leave it at that, how will he handle going up against Ryan Kerrigan? And first play of the game, of course, Kerrigan beats Big V, and he slams Wentz to the ground, rips his jersey off like Tarzan. And from that day, it just looked like Wentz was a little shaky because he knew he was just uneasy. Now, granted, some things that I saw on the tape, Carson Wentz several times, they got to get Zach Ertz more involved. Yeah. A couple times he was available to go to him on checkdowns. He tried to go and kind of make the home run play as opposed to doing what he was before earlier in the season as far as, you know, taking what the defense is giving you, move the ball that way. Um, the two snap, <clears throat> the two sacks that he took crucial in the fourth quarter, um, bad. He was just holding the ball way too long. Now, partly that's his fault, but then the, on the other hand, you got to look at it too is, are the receivers getting open? Are they getting separation? A lot of times they're just coverage sacks because the receivers can't get open. And for Doug Peterson, I was a little disappointed in the coaching staff because after Big V was getting his door kicked in by Ryan Kerrigan, you know, why wouldn't we go to some max protection? Why wouldn't we, you know, use a tight end, use a running back to chip, at least just throw something new at them? Yeah, they and just you had success it. running the ball, too. I mean, I know they didn't have yeah. a lot of snaps, but... Darren Sproles averaged five yards a carry. Ryan Matthews had nine carries for 60 yards. And you look at the receivers, or who caught passes at least, receiving-wise for the Eagles. You had Jordan Matthews, three for 75. Aguilar, three for 34. All right? Then you have one catch for Greenbeckham, Ertz, Smallwood, Burton, and Sproles, and that is it. And now there's no Josh Huff on there. There's no Brent Selleck on there. I mean, those are disappointing 
uh, big players that are disappointing right now. They're not helping out. I mean, that was just a cause. You know what that reminded me of, Joe? Remember when Winston Justice? Oh, yeah. It was a Sunday night Eagles game. Strahan had six sacks. Yeah. Strahan just ate him alive. And Andy Andy Reid refused. You know, to give give it, and that's just bad coaching. That was just yep. strategically that was bad because here's the thing: you you knew you said that he was doing well against the you know your team in practice, but that you gotta have a backup plan, a contingency plan where okay, if he starts getting smoked, maybe we're gonna find other ways. And again, I, and the, the referees the last couple weeks. Now listen, the Redskins. One in all phases. They deserve to win that game. But some of the calls were just horrendous. And the Eagles were getting held on defense the entire game. The one call where they called where, you know, Carson Wentz scrambled out of the pocket, you know, made a move, threw it to Green Beckham. He shakes free. It's like a 38-yard gain. And they called Wendell Smallwood for a block in the back when two Redskin defenders ran into each other. It was just a joke. It's like the officiating game in the NFL, and I know it's hard. You know, that game speed, how, how fast the game is moving, I get it. It's difficult. But i, I got to be honest with you. I've been disappointed in the rest of the last couple of weeks. Of, you know, not been good for the Eagles. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. As you're saying this, part of me thinks about respect and, and what referee is either intimidated or respects Doug Peterson. I, I'm not trying to throw Poopy Peterson under the bus. Yeah. But yeah. if Bill Belichick's on that other sideline, is his team getting called for 14 penalties and 13 penalties? And look, I know it's on the players. I know it's a discipline thing. But at the end of the day, part of it comes back to the head coach. It's a reflection of the head coach. And are the officials afraid to make calls against the Philadelphia Eagles because of their ear getting chewed out or the fact the league be crawling up their you-know-what for penalizing yeah. one of the, the model franchises? You know, I just don't yeah. see that. And again, it might be a small thing, but... Yeah. Uh, no. the, the two biggest penalties I, you know, I made note of, you just hit on Fletcher Cox that, you know, cost him basically four points and the Eagles didn't get a chance to get the ball back at the end of the first half to get some type of momentum into halftime. And then that Smallwood penalty, that was a huge play. DGB breaks free. You finally have some life and immediately it's coming back. Look, every game's different, John Mita. I've never seen a game before where a team didn't touch a ball basically for an entire quarter. Uh, but it's the NFL. This kind of stuff happens. You can look good one week. You can look terrible the next. A team you don't think is going to play very well, like Detroit, they come out and they beat you. You know, the Eagles didn't show up. The line of scrimmage battle was one-handed. Uh, was was the, line, the battle at the line of scrimmage on Sunday was so overwhelmingly in favor of the Washington Redskins, it was embarrassing. Uh, I'm a big Connor Barwin guy. He was invisible on Sunday. Yeah. I say, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up. I propose moving him back to linebacker. You know what I mean? I would put him at linebacker, and then I would drop Vinny Curry to the starting defensive end. Because right now, Kendrick is getting lit up. And Connor Barwin showed that he could do a little coverage with running backs and tight ends yep. when he was playing in the 3-4. You know, I think you got to try something different because – Kendricks is just not getting it done right now. Look, there are big plays by both sides on Sunday. The Eagles made a couple of them to get back in the game. But at the end of the day, the penalties were undisciplined. They were embarrassing. The Eagles now, if you go back and count the preseason, 
have averaged just just about nine and a half penalties per game, preseason and regular season. This, this isn't a small sample size. And then I saw some stats, John Mita, that historically Jim Schwartz's defenses are near the top of the league in penalties per game. That's also concerning. A couple yeah. other things I want to get to, all right? Why the hell is Kenyon Barner getting a third and four carry in the fourth quarter? Can somebody explain that to me? Tell me. Who's running? Is Deuce Staley in charge of the running back rotation? Remember when DeMarco Murray was coming out and he was getting all butt hurt and and Chip Kelly wouldn't say, oh, it's Deuce's call or it's this guy's call or I'm not sure. Is he still in charge of the running back rotation? Because I don't understand why we have to feature everybody on the team. Yeah. Why do the Eagles have to feed? Why look how many running backs got carries? Matthews, Sproles, Barner, Smallwood. Why not just yeah. stick with somebody if it's going well? And when you're struggling, for Christ's sake, can Darren Sproles get the ball more? If there's a game changer on offense, almost every time he touches the rock, it's forty three. Yeah. yeah, especially in matchups like spread. Like I love their game plan against the Bears. Yeah. They did like four wide outs, then they would have like two back sets and you know, put Sproles. Look, there's no linebacker in the NFL that can cover that yes. guy one and one. Yes. Even if and, you and make them, even if you make them think you're gonna use him. Right. Now look, here's another thing I jotted down. You brought it up. You talked about the Bears game. This is what I jotted down. Eagles offense not using what gave them success early in season. Quick passes. That was my short little note I put in my phone. What did we see? What was the first time they threw a screen pass? The third or fourth quarter? I mean, yeah. to get Carson Wentz into a rhythm, we've seen, but yet first play of the game against Washington Redskins. Play action, deep drop, looking for a 15 or 20-yard out route. He gets swallowed up by yeah. Kerrigan, his jersey shredded. Hey, I just Special teams did their like job, it. man. I lo- Look, Caleb hey. Sturgis has this pooch kick where he's kicking it to, like, the goal line down pat. I don't know if he's just not strong enough to kick it any further, but teams are trying to run out these kicks. They're getting to, like, the 15-yard line, and then the Eagles' defense can't sh- turn that field positioning, shift that field positioning for them. I know. The and wide, that's, hey, that's the listen, hey, the wide nine sucks. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up at some point. Well, that's, it, it looks effective when when you get to the quarterback, when your front four are, are, are getting that effective pressure, it looks fantastic. But if it doesn't get there, you look terrible. Yeah, because and the cutback the lanes thing- are the size of Mack trucks. And I read something today. I think it was David Murphy on Philly.com. Uh, high cheese, my boy with a column. Saying how Jordan Hicks might not be the best fit for Jim Schwartz's scheme. Because he talks, Jim Schwartz talks a lot about that front four getting upfield. And then you have to have linebackers yeah. that make plays. And it doesn't seem to fit Jordan Hicks very well at all right now. Um, and obviously they brought in Stephen Tulloch for a reason, and they don't have a lot of confidence in Kendricks. So if you don't have good linebackers, why the hell are the Eagles implementing this scheme? The thing that worries me about him is he doesn't like the Brits. Well, if your front four is not getting there, you're going to find other ways to dial up some pressure. If he doesn't like the Blitz, then why the hell is he leaving Jalen Mills one-on-one? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers – were able to kill Kirk Cousins in the first game of the season because they basically blitzed him 60% of the game. And he was getting trounced, turning the ball over, making bad decisions with footballs, getting off the field. I mean, it's just... 
Hey, the one coach look, the coach. The one pressure play they had, Jenkins took it to the house. Right, exactly. He forced yep. the throw out in the flat, didn't get enough on it off his back foot, and Jenkins is dancing in the end zone five seconds later. Exactly. So look, it's three and two. The sky is falling. The Eagles record's three and two. The sky is falling. Real quick before we reset and then say how do you how do you reset if you're the Eagles and get to the Vikings? I got I got two more things for you. All right. Sure. Do you believe in karma, John Mita? I'm a big believer in karma. Okay. I hope. Let's go to the the let's go to the Detroit Lions game. Nigel Bradham didn't play a lot in the first half, coming off the bye where he was arrested. Okay. The yeah. Eagles spun it any way they wanted, but let's be honest, he was being benched. Eagles yeah. lose, and without Bradham in the first half, their defense got torched. Yeah. Lane Johnson, suspended for PEDs, right or wrong. NFL calls him guilty. First game suspension. His replacement gets torched. Eagles get smoked. That sounds and feels a lot like karma to me. Back-to-back weeks for the Birds in a bad way. Yeah, well, hopefully this week we'll get some good karma. I mean, The Sammy Sleeves karma? Oh, yeah. Can't wait for Sleeves and his eyeballs to come to town. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Last thing before we jump to that Vikings game real quick. The worst, right. play, the worst play of the game from Sunday in John Mita's eyes was what? It's just Nigel Branham not taking Kirk Cousins' head off when he let him get juiced like Kirk Cousins, Randall Cunningham, or Barry Sanders. It was embarrassing. I think I could have tackled Kirk Cousins on that play. I mean, he's, he is not mobile at all. And that was a third down play. And they would have been off the field. They would have been punting inside their own. You know, 15-yard line, and we would have had great field position. So, to me, that was just one that really stuck in my crawl. The worst play for me on Sunday was basically the final play of any significance in the football game. You have no hope in this entire game for the most part, outside of two basically home run-type miracle plays. And here you are somehow after taking multiple sacks and then wasting a timeout just to punt the ball back to your opponent. You stop them on first down and second down, use your timeouts. It's third and seven. The game's over if they get a first down. You know there's no way in hell they're throwing the football. It's third and seven. If you have any prayer, any prayer, you make a stop, and you get gashed for about 50 yards on a run play. That, to me, made me want to puke. Yeah, Jordan Hicks just overran the play, had the, you know, had the opportunity to, to make the play and get off the field. You're right. And another play that other stuck in my craw is you know, Kendricks made a tackle. Nick, he misses a tackle, and then the running back runs for 27 more yards after him making contact. Brutal, bro. Brutal. All right, so the birds, so just, the birds drop the three and two. Let's throw this one out. Let's 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 take that. That's it. Delete it. Delete it from your DVR. Trying to trying to mine. crumple up one little piece of scrap paper here in the studio. Make it sound like a lot of paper. Probably can't even hear it. Trying really hard. It's it's it was like a post-it note <laughs> size. Crumple that thing up, throw it out. Uh, real That's quick, good. in in thirty seconds. Tell me how the Eagles reset sure. and beat the Vikings. Okay. Find a way to establish the running game and the defense has to put great, tremendous pressure on Sam Bradford to win the game. They need to cause at least two turnovers in this football game for them to win. All right. Vikings coming off a bye, 5-0, and the only undefeated team in the National Football League, and the Eagles welcome them to the link on Sunday. 
And look, it doesn't get any easier schedule wise. The Cowboys are now five and one. You drop the three and three, you're in a you're in a muck of trouble as far as a lot of teams in the NFC that are three and three. And quite honestly, then you got to start looking at the wild card. You know, seven weeks in, uh, basically. Yeah. So it's not uh, it's not fun right now in uh, Eagles Nation. But hey, that's why they play the games. All right, my friend. Let's shift gears. Uh, jump off of the football topic for a moment. Our final topic before spread the love and before we get on out of here on this short burst of a brotherly love podcast. Again, uh, you can email the show brotherly love podcast at yahoo.com or hit us up on Twitter at be love podcast. You see a lot of stand up comedy. You're a big uh, you're a big stand up comedy guy. I love it myself. Amy Schumer, who I know you think is hilarious and most people do, was down in Tampa recently doing a show. She was getting booed. Several hundred people walked out from the 10,000-plus crowd down in Tampa because she went into the realm of politics. Obviously, the election's around the corner. Your stance on comedians delving into that world and kind of making it personal, too, with the election right around the corner would be what? Listen, it's a comedy show. Um, A lot of times, comedians are going to say things that are derogatory and offensive to all many races, cultures, creeds people, everything. And you just got to take it for what it is. Um, I, I didn't really personally hear, you know, what, what kind of what went on and what she said, but you know, I've heard comics going to politics and then you get the hecklers and then comedians. See, it's hard for them is because when comedians get booed and they get heckled, it throws off their entire set. Like it, it just, there's a timing of their show. They, you know, it's basically like somebody coming to your job and disrupting it. You know, doing something crazy or a fan goes wild or it's just, you know, a fan. Like, like at a, let's just say a sporting event. You know, they're all dialed in. Next thing you know, somebody runs on the field or something like that happens. It's just, and granted, this election is crazy. The two candidates that we have, it, it's like, you know, Damned if you do, damned if you don't. You don't know which, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, there's people, it's not like they're going to get their money refunded. But I think, you know, when you're talking stand-up comic shows, take it for what it is. Obviously, some people are going to find some jokes offensive. And there's uh, there's so many things. But at the same time, you got to keep in mind, it's still a comedy show. And, and you're there to be entertained. So... What about it, 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 it? The sense I got is that she almost went away from the comedic routine for a moment and started to kind of make it a political PSA with her opinion. Does that change your answer at all? I, I think that might have a little more effect if people are kind of like if then she turned it into like her agenda, like this is why you should, then that's not good because that's not what the people pay for either. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're paying for you to entertain them and make them laugh, not to get off your political agenda. And there's been so many outspoken people. It's it's going to be wild. But thank God it's going to end in November because <laughs> I'm pretty sick of it, you know? Amen, Johnny Mia. Yeah. Again, I wanted your take on that, being the stand-up comedian guy. Yeah. Uh, appreciate the yeah, insight great. there and, and, and the take. Uh, do you have a spread the love or am I going solo here? You're going solo, brother. All right. I am going to spread the love. Oh, yeah. So soothing. I'm spreading the love to SVP, the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center, which I've spread the love to previous episodes as well, if I'm not mistaken. 
But if you haven't seen it yet, John Mead, and I'm guessing you have, but following Monday Night Football when SVP comes on for the final kind of his theme sports center, he brings his boy Stanford Steve on, and they have a segment called Bad Beats. Have you seen it? I love it. It is hilarious. The best. It is some of the best three minutes of television you can have. And last (laughs) night was no different. So I urge you, if you have not seen the SVP Sports Center and you have not seen Bad Beats, please do yourself a service. It is a highlight, if you will, of all the times over the weekend where the point spread or the over under or a. What looks like a lock bet with a couple minutes left in a game goes haywire. And as you are about to count your money in Vegas, you might as well piss it away. And uh, it's great. I mean, you got you to gotta feel for the gamblers. And I know uh, allegedly John Mita has liked to occasionally put some <laughs> to, to play a game or two. But uh, allegedly. Uh, so I thought I would just share I'm spreading the love tonight to the SVP Sports Center and the Bad Beat segment which airs on Mondays it's just great banter between Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve and they show you the games where you were counting your dough until you weren't counting it anymore let me give you my Bad Beat story to to go into this because this is pretty funny I'm so glad you love this segment for anybody that ever gambled on sports, this is just, it's just pure entertainment. But my Stanford Steve and SVP, that beat story would be when they and a friend of mine, I'm not going to name any names, because he's got Duke to beat Boston College in college hoops. The point spread was like 12 and a half points. Okay, Duke is murdering Boston College, NBC. By like 35 in the first half. What year is this? Next year. Roughly. This is like, I was in college, so. Okay. So 1946. Say, All right. <laughs> I'm going to say 1990, 1999. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is when Boston College had like Troy Bell and those guys. So Duke is just smashing them. Next thing you know, BC's creeping, creeping, creeping. Right? The point spread's 12 and a half. We're up 13. We're covering by half a point. They bring in a freshman power forward, and he hits a bank three at the buzzer. <laughs> and Duke only won by 10. So that is my bad beat story. Every time I watch that segment, that is the game that comes to mind. And when I call my friend, I'm like, see, this is why we shouldn't gamble. This is the pure reason why. By the way, in college, in college football so far, there have been three onside kicks that have been returned for touchdowns by the receiving team that have shifted wow. and made made bad beats, essentially. That's crazy. Three That's already crazy. in college football this year. Where you're, the odds make... No, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It, it's, 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 but the science behind it, it's, it's filthy. It really is. Yeah. It really is. All right. That's a great segment, bro. Go Birds. All right. I'm spreading the yeah, love to SVP. Yeah, what, uh, what do you think, Minnesota? How do you feel? Now, the Birds are two-and-a-half-point home underdogs. Gotta like that. But we'll see. Well, you usually get three points for being on the road, right? Well, you, no, you're, the, you're giving, excuse me, yes, there. you're giving up a field right. goal typically in the typical right. 
Um, so really, they're, they're looking at it as a five and a half point game, basically. Yeah. I don't know, man. The Vikings coming off the bye. Here, here would be my hope, real quick. I would hope that the Eagles come out, set the tempo, play with some emotion because they have lost back-to-back games, and the Vikings maybe have a little bit of rust post-bye, and you just pray to God the Eagles' defense can hold on after that. That's that's my take. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's see. All right, they got, they got to win this game. This is the game that they need to pull out. Yep. At that, and the Cowboys, and it's uh, – I don't even want to talk about. I hear you, but I'm All telling right. you, man, three and three, you're lumped in there with a lot of teams you don't want to be lumped in with. You know, yeah, exactly some some right. teams that on paper look a lot better. The Cardinals, the Packers. They, I mean, these are teams that are in that three and three mix right now. Uh, and the yeah. Eagles don't want to be there. Separate yourselves, my friends. All right, go Birds, Johnny Meadum, make it loud on Sunday at the Link, brother. Love you, long time. All right, buddy, you got it. SoundCloud.com, iTunes. Machine Gun Podcast, brotherly love style in the books, blowing it up like you thought we would. Till next time. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.